The Bible says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. And it's quoting the Old Testament in Jeremiah. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's Old Testament, New Testament, patently biblical, authentically Christian. Um, This is how Christians think. And in the Jeremiah text, it's interesting. The reason we boast in the Lord is because we truly know the Lord. He's truly made Himself known because of His grace, because of His mercy, because of His love. We can truly know God. And so the response is, let the one who boasts, not boast in self because of your great abilities to discover uh, or know things, but boast in the Lord because He's made Himself known. It's because of what He's done, not what we do. So again, it's it's a thoroughly, wholly biblical way of looking at things. Maybe the unbeliever doesn't understand this. They can understand it in theory. But this is the Christian way of thinking. When we're going to boast or brag, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to boast in God and what He's done. And if this is true, and it is, it would be just like phonies. It would be just like fakers, phony Christian leaders, to not understand this and to boast in themselves. And false teachers love them some self, right? They like to build buildings and name the buildings after themselves and ministries after themselves. And they, they, they want to have it all be about them. And at, the, at its worst, it's about what they've done to earn the acceptance of God. And at its worst, worst, they model that for us. So if we can just do these great things, like our great leader, faker apostle, faker leaders, if we can just do all of these great things too, then God will eventually accept us. And it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But again, it makes sense. Because if you don't believe that salvation is a free gift of God because of the work done by another, namely Jesus then it would make sense to boast in self. And maybe we give God a little bit of boasting. He meets us in the middle and we give ourselves some congratulations too. But it makes sense. If you don't understand that it's all the work of Christ given to us freely, then it would make sense that we would start boasting in ourselves and and being self-promoters. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is, is really, I don't even want to say butting heads. In the first 15 verses of 2 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul is lambasting these false apostles. Uh, they, they say Jesus, they say gospel, so they have our vocabulary. But as I like to say, they might be wearing our jerseys, but they're not on our team. They're competitors, okay? They're fakers. It's not authentic Christianity, it's foolianity, to make up a word. Even though they're borrowing our vocab, if you will. It's what makes him so misleading. And so it's gloves off in chapter 11, verses 1 to 15, because the Apostle Paul has to defend the legitimacy of his ministry because tied to him is the message he's preaching, okay, the truth about Christ. And then we get to chapter 11, verses 16 to the end, which is where we're going to be today. And it doesn't let up. It is super interesting. It is It is biting with irony. I mean, you're going to hear things today that you'll never hear anywhere else in the Bible. 
You're going to hear the kind of sarcasm that would lead people, if the Apostle Paul were speaking on earth today, people would write blogs about him. Okay? They, they would say he needs anger management classes. Um, they would say he's passive-aggressive. They would say he's not nice. They would say all kinds of things. But it's gotten to the point where he's going to stoop to their level and he's going to let them have it. And, and, and with biting sarcasm. It, it, it's, sit back and enjoy this one. <laughs> I mean, unless you're playing for, unless you're secretly on the other team wearing the jersey, um, you, you might like this. Um, I wouldn't like it if I were them. Um, but this is real interesting. But again, if what's at stake is people's eternal lives, if they keep listening to those who preach, he said another gospel, a different gospel, a different Jesus, then you've got you've to do whatever it takes. And he does whatever it takes. And you might want some popcorn and a large soda for this one. Um, it's going to be... Well, let's just jump into it. Here we go. No outline this morning. Um, no need for an outline. It would just mess things up. But here we go. Unconventional. Whew. This is going to be fun. Verse 16 says in, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 16, I repeat. He's repeating what he said in chapter 11, verse 1. Okay. He started down this road in chapter 11, verse 1, and then he went a different route like preachers do. And now he's back to talking about the same thing. I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. Don't call me a fool, but if you want to call me a fool, I'll be a boaster like you guys. False apostles, you know, look at me, look what I've done, look at all my followers, I'm awesome, I'm wonderful, blah, 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 boasting in self-accomplishments. And the Apostle Paul says, all right, if you want to play that game, if it's really come to that, I'll stoop to that level, okay? Then it says in verse 17, what I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would. This This is not how Christians think and talk. Okay, we're not self-boasters. I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. I don't normally talk this way. I don't normally stoop to the level of ridiculous. It is ridiculous for Christians to boast in themselves. It is antithetical to the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Everything we have is a gift from God. We boast in God. But if you really want to go there, I'll stoop there. 18 says, since many boast according to the flesh. I'm probably saying that too nice, right? Since many boast according to the flesh. Human accomplishment, what I do, I, 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 me, me, me. I too will boast. Verse 19, for you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. (laughs) You're so smart. You're so wise. You Corinthian new Christians, right? You're so smart. You're so wise. You can evaluate everybody. Oh, by the way, that's how you got yourself into this mess. Because you, 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 you chose these rock star super apostles that aren't even real apostles who preach a different Jesus. So he's, he's laying it on thick here. You, being wise yourselves, you gladly bear with fools. He's labeling the, 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 the supposed apostles fools. 
And he says, and they, they're all about themselves boasting, so you know what, I'll, I'll play the fool too. This is a stinger. This is the Apostle Paul called the Apostle of Love, even because of what he wrote to the Corinthians. So you don't have to make false choices. He is the Apostle known as the Apostle of Love. But when it comes to the Gospel being threatened and people being swayed away from salvation in Christ alone, you do whatever it takes sometimes. Verse 20 says, For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. And he's accused of being weak. He's like, oh, you know, I'm such a failure. I I just don't have a strong enough personality. I just don't have enough leadership prowess. Because, you know, if I would have known, sarcastically speaking, if I would have known that I could have won you over by punching you in the face, I guess I should have done that. Because it's working. That's what the false apostles are doing, spiritually speaking. So, he very condescending, not in a good way. He's just letting them have it. Again, trying to shock them out of stupidity. Because he wants them to remember what he's taught already in chapter 3 and chapter 5, that, that, that Christ is the fulfillment of God's promises, he, the fulfillment of the new covenant long anticipated. All of those types and shadows were designed and intended to, to have Christ be the fulfillment and substance. And that Christ did everything necessary for you to be reconciled to God. That's why we should have a ministry of reconciliation, remember. He's the one. He's the substitute who who was treated as the sinner, though he never sinned, to make atonement for sin. He's he's the one, he's referred to as the righteous for the unrighteous. This is why salvation comes to us, we say, through faith alone, because we don't do anything, we're trusting in him. Since that's what's on the line, and there are people, some of them at least, giving ear to something else, He's, he's stooping to this kind of level. Again, this is not... You don't, I don't think you ever find this in the Bible anywhere else like this. And it, it, it's not his it, it, the first card he plays. But we're so far down the rabbit hole or whatever you want to say that he's doing whatever is necessary short of sin to shock them back into reality. Okay? Now, I do want to take a, a few minutes to, to highlight some of these things in verse 20 that would be characteristic of some false teachers. seems like there are five of these characteristics. Certainly there are more of them that other kinds of false teachers um, employ, but it's worth us seeing that these kinds of false teachers, at least some of them, they, they are into enslavement. They take advantage, they manipulate, they control And sometimes people like it because of maybe the God talk. They talk about Jesus. They, they, they talk about gospel. But he says, someone makes slaves of you. Look around. Maybe some of you have even come from such a background or been drawn towards such a thing. Some people are just into people abusing them spiritually. And it's a sad reality. 
A lot of bad, bad, bad things are done in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christianity, in the name of gospel. Remember, these false teachers are promoting a different Jesus. And they're enslaving people. They're controlling people in the name of God. And it is awful and it is terrible. And the Apostle Paul's highlighting it here and how crazy it is. Is that really what you wanted? Is to be enslaved to some brother, pastor, reverend, bishop, so-and-so? To control your life? That's not helpful, especially when Christ said, I come to give you rest, right? I come to set you free. There's great freedom in Christ. This is why in church history, sometimes we want to talk about how pastors are supposed to have authority, but let's be careful. Let's say it's ministerial authority. It's servant authority. So the authority, the only authority I have in your life if I'm a legitimate pastor is, what does the Bible say? Let me help you figure that out. There's authority because it's actually not my authority coming from me or some church council, magisterial authority or cultic authority. It's, well, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? Let me help you. Let me serve you by showing you what he says. There's great freedom in Christ. Whenever I hear people talking about the extra-biblical things that somehow help us, I have alarms going off. There's freedom in Christ. Not freedom to sin, but when you come to trust in Christ, God reconciles you to Himself through your trusting in Christ, and you're now set free. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down, right, by your sin and also people telling you how to deal with your sin that's not right. And Jesus himself says, I will give you rest. Okay? What God sets free, those whom God sets free, the Bible says are what? They're free indeed. So don't give me your extra things towards spiritual disciplines that aren't in the Bible because you found them helpful. They're actually new laws and now you're enslaving me maybe to your preferences. That's false teacher kind of stuff. They also, if we move on, it says they, they devour you. So shepherds are supposed to feed the sheep And fake shepherds eat the sheep. Right? Spiritually speaking, right? Devouring you. Consuming you. The the true apostle is, is giving you the truth about Jesus, Paul would say. And I'm giving you the gospel that you can trust in Christ. It's not about me controlling you. And it's certainly not about me taking from you. But what is it about people loves that we, we love us some false teachers like they love themselves sometimes? And we're willing to to let them devour us. Remember, Jesus scolded or or lambasted the false teachers uh, when he was on earth and he talked about how they want to devour, anybody remember? Widows' houses, the vulnerable, take advantage. False teacher after false teacher after false teacher, then and now, They prey on people. They want to devour people. They want to take, whether it's your money or your emotions or your mind or your actions, they devour. It can be used for robbing. It's heinous consumption. Also, another characteristic, a third one, is they take advantage. Also can be used of robbing or taking someone's possessions. Manipulation, controlling, again, these overlap. A fourth one is they put on airs which is not the way we speak today. That's how the ESV translates it. The New American Standard exalts himself. 
The word literally means, literally means to be lifted up, right? Self-exalted. Puffed up, I might say, since it has, it's an error word. And look, oh, there's, they're awesome. They're great. Look at me. Looks a lot like a false teacher. And then one more he lists here that they seem to love, and it's so counterintuitive. Why would they? Well, people do weird things when it comes to religion. The fifth one is they strike you in the face. I don't think he's speaking literally here. But it's abusive. Beating followers down with scolding, perhaps. Guilting. Extra-biblical duties and requirements. The very thing's... Christ came to deliver us from. Somehow it's like this magnetic weird force that we're drawn toward foolianity. And the Apostle Paul says, you're so smart, you gather teachers that just beat you up. I didn't ask for anything. I just told you the free message of salvation in Christ which frees you. Who's crazy? It's not me, the Apostle Paul would want us to know. Just one more thing about that, and that would be, and then it's going to go pretty fast. It's not always the heavy-handed stuff. Um, as one of my friends likes to say, there is law light, or legalism light. And sometimes that's the most dangerous kind. Today I'm going to give you four principles that you can follow and you won't suffer anymore. That's an example. Don't write those down. (laughs) Today I'm going to give you three ways that I have uh, experienced freedom in overcoming X, Y, or Z. And then I'd like to spell out for you the seven steps toward experiencing blank. And before you know it, looks a lot like if you just do what the pastor says you should do. Oh, and we're going to use timeless truths from the Bible. And before you know it, we're off and running, and it's legalism light. And you leave here all burdened down. Man, if I only had a perfect life like the pastor. <laughs> Boy, I wouldn't feel so bad when I left church. You just, man, what a bummer, man. Instead of good news, let me tell you, sometimes the Bible helps us with practical things, but oftentimes it's this is what God requires, and you're like, whoa, I I can't do it. See, I'd rather have law hard than law light, Romans chapter 10, because then you figure out you you can't meet God's requirement. And so I've got good news for you, all you who are weary and heavy laden by God's true law. Christ gives you rest. Leave with a smile on your face. Leave uplifted, right? Not abused. The gospel is good news. You heard about the good news regarding Christ. No wonder we eat and drink when we take the Lord's Supper and it's in remembrance of Him. She put a smile on her face. Hope for sinners. Instead of, oh, that was sure a good sermon, Pastor. I feel terrible. People talk like this. Now, I mean, there's something about that, right? I would like to preach a sermon sometime. I'm digressing. And just have it just be sheer, pure, this is what God requires. And I would like to say, have a nice day. Right? 
Because I am obligated to preach all of God's Word and some of that's law. Do this and you'll have eternal life. Have fun. I mean, I, w- I would like to just slam the book and turn the lights off. Because I would want us to feel... That, that's the reality. That's the unscalable wall. That's Romans chapter 10. So we would be saying, I can't do it. That was a terrible sermon, Pastor. Right? That's awful. It's bad news. And I could say, it's all true. And you could say, I know it's true, but it's bad news. But I wouldn't be able to help myself as a Christian pastor to say, Jesus Christ came not to abolish the law, he says, but to quote him, I came to fulfill it. Okay? So let's be careful. We might have a smile on our face with a great dental program, right? And all this schlickness. And it might seem real easy, but it might actually be legalism and not gospel good news about Christ. So we have to keep these things in our minds. And sometimes this bad stuff is even done in the name of expository preaching. Just because it's verse by verse doesn't mean it's right either. Okay, let's keep moving. Paul's defense of himself. Here we go. Verse 21 goes on to say, But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. Let me just clarify, right? Only fools talk like this, but I'm just going to stoop to that level. Verse 21, I also dare to boast of that. I can hardly believe it's come to this, but here goes. Are they Hebrews? So am I. I'm a Jew brought up in Jerusalem, Acts 22, verse 3. Are they Israelites? So am I, God's chosen people. Are they offspring, are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Heirs according to promise, Genesis 17 and 22. 20, verse 23 says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Right? They talk about Jesus, they talk about the gospel, but I'm a better one because I actually tell you the truth about him and he's the fulfillment of the new covenant, the one we've all been waiting for, so I'm better, 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 better. Look at me. I'm boasting in myself. I beat him on every turn. And then he has to, again, I like the ESV um, dealing with the original language with dashes because it's abrupt. So it was abrupt at the beginning in verse uh, halfway through 21 where he says, I'm speaking as a fool. Now he has the another, uh, another abrupt statement in 23. I am talking like a madman. Again, it's patently unbiblical to boast in yourself. So I'm talking like a crazy person out of my mind. Oh, by the way, that does insinuate the the false apostles. They're loons. They're mad. They're crazy. They're they're anti-Christian. They're the true fools. See how it's spicy and dicey? Maybe you wanted more. Maybe you thought it was going to be even more intense. I don't know. I think this is pretty intense. And now what he's going to do is transition again. And he's going to emphasize suffering. Suffering because he stood for the true gospel, which is counterintuitive apart from God enlightening eyes. And he's going to say, you want to know about my qualifications? I'm not doing the foolish boasting thing anymore because I've come to believe in Jesus, that he's the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by him. And I've come to trust in him to give me something free that cost him everything. I'm willing to suffer. Unlike your chump apostles who like it because it gets them ahead, 
It's actually given me my worst life now. Okay? That's what he's going to tell us now. Three times I was beaten. Is that... No. Sorry, I skipped ahead. Verse 23 goes on to say, With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Verse 24 there, you can see, says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Less one. Under Old Testament law, 40 is the max, and it became tradition to only give 39 lest you go over because you didn't count right. Or so I've read. How many times? Five times? 39 lashes? I think maybe once would be enough for me to find something better to do to make a buck. Five times? Galatians says in chapter 6, verse 17, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. You want to know what it's going to get you to come? You, you come, come pray the sinner's prayer and then your life is going to be good and all your relationships are going to be good and you're going to have more money in your bank account, blah, 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 blah. Lie, 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 lie. Let's have Paul come and share his testimony at halftime. Well, who here would like to come forward? Following Christ means suffering probably wouldn't get a very big altar call. But if salvation is of the Lord and He's paid it in full and reconciled us to God and, and it comes to us freely, then you know what? If that's true, there's nothing greater on planet earth. And if you truly belong to Him, and the Apostle Paul saying, I truly belong to Him as a true apostle, that's why I've been willing to go through all this stuff. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. That's, that's Roman punishment from Acts chapter 16, verse 22. That's typically not done to citizens. And he was a citizen. Reserved for people who were disturbing the peace. Insurrectionists. Once I was stoned, most common form of execution. Three times I was shipwrecked. Again, not a carnival cruise, right? Three times shipwrecked, not on holiday, but gospel ministry journeys. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. And it's, I'm looking at you, in toil and hardship through many, many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Whew! Right? That'll sell. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sell. You don't do that unless there's something great unless there's someone great who's done something great for you, and now your calling from Him is to rightly communicate the good news to others. And so when it comes to legitimacy, illegitimacy, it doesn't take long to figure out who the real fools are. Maybe just back for one moment to that um, false brother's thing 
he uses that one other time in Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. And it's, again, because people are saying that Jesus is real, but Jesus didn't do everything necessary to bring you to God. So we're not talking about atheists. We're not talking about people outside. These are professing Christians using the vocabulary, but he says they're, they're, they're false brothers. And remember in Galatians 1, they're under the condemnation of God. One of my favorite little books is that little book by J. Gresham Machen called Christianity and Liberalism. And it was written some, oh, about a hundred years ago, but it sounds like it was written yesterday. Um, not dealing with politics, but theological liberalism. Um, but here's a great quote from him regarding this sort of thing. Uh, the greatest menace to the Christian church today comes not from the enemies outside, but from the enemies within. It comes from the presence within the church of a type of faith and practice that is anti-Christian to the core. I think that is probably true. Because there's Jesus talk. There's gospel talk. And we expect Christians to talk that way. And that's great, greatly dangerous for the Apostle Paul. It's greatly dangerous for us. It's like the old spiritual says. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Which is a pretty serious matter. I hope this causes us to do a lot of things. Probably, it probably shouldn't help us to up our sarcasm game. I'm probably doing just fine. Um, when necessary, I certainly would want to learn from it. But I hope it causes us to maybe be a little bit more discerning, a little bit more um, cautious, a little bit more careful. I hope it causes us to, to really want to understand the gospel better about what it really is and what Christ actually provides and accomplishes and accomplished. And so that we can know that just because someone says Jesus, it doesn't mean they're a Christian. I hope it causes those things to happen. I hope it causes us to be thankful that there have been such conflicts because they help us actually. And then we see a bit of the softness of heart in verse 28, I think. And, and I kind of want to drag it out a little bit for dramatic effect. And, and, on top of all that, and, apart from other things, <laughs> apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I, re I really care. I've gone through all of these challenging things. But, but and, on top of all of these things, you know what gives me the greatest burden and care? I, I care about all the churches. Because I love Christ, because He's loved me first, because I love the truth of the gospel, because I love other people, therefore I love churches because they make they're made up of people and i care about their health and and, it, and it's it's worrisome to me i like seeing the heart that's there it helps us understand why he would write crazy letters like he writes then verse 9 or excuse me 29 helps elaborate on this who is weak and i am not weak 
still talking about the same thing. It seems kind of weird at first, but if you just keep it in the flow. Who is not weak? The people who are in the churches. When I'm not weak. When there's something problematic going on, I, I feel it. I, I'm not the professional hired gun doing it for some other reason. I really, truly care. The Lord has put this burden in my heart. Oh, I used to be a Christian persecutor. Now, when, when someone is struggling, I think that's what he means by weak here, it truly, genuinely causes me care and concern. Is what he's saying. Then he says something similar in 29. Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? When faker apostles or others lead professing Christians to a bad place, it's normal and ordinary and every single time it makes me indignant. It's a word for burning. Gets me fired up. Makes me angry. Again, the apostle of love. But don't make a false choice either or. Because he truly loves and cares when one is hurt, he is angered and mad. This is, this is, this is good. This is healthy. This is right. Sometimes it seems like in Christianity we don't have the right category for anger. This is the right kind of category, right? Over the right thing. Angry? You betcha I'm angry is what he would say. Gospel perverters need to be dealt with anger. It would be heartless to do something else. Verse 30 says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And that's what he's been doing. 31, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying. It's an oath formula. I put my hand on a stack of King James Bibles. At least some of you caught what I did there. Thank you. There was a long, a long time ago, there was somebody visiting, a King James only person and they wanted to know what translation I was using. And I said, I'm, I'm preaching from the updated New American Standard. Oh, they're updating it now. I was like, oh, this is going badly. I said, and by then I knew, right? I said, well, what translation do you prefer? Same one the Apostle Paul did. And by then, right, by then, I felt the fire. I hope sanctified apostolic fire. I said, then don't tell me it's a King James. I digress. How do we get off on the topic? But he, it's an oath formula. I stand before God, right? Cross my heart, hope to die, whatever, however you want to do it. No, that's trivial too, right? I'm dead serious about this before God. I'm not lying about this. This is really how I feel. This is really how I care. This is genuine for the church. That's why I've gone through all the garbage that didn't make my, Christ didn't make my life on earth easier. It made it actually, he made it harder. Then it says in verse 32, at Damascus, that's the, that's the key word to understanding what, why he's saying this. It seems really, out of, out of, seems really strange, but you'll see why in a moment it's not. At Damascus, the governor under King Artus 
was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. And you just go, that's, that's nice. Where, why did you bring that up? <laughs> I think, no doubt, Paul, on his way to Damascus to hurt Christians, was converted. And now, because he is a Christian, he's being hurt in Damascus. So again, another illustration of total... He's converted to being opposed to Christians we learn about in the book of Acts, and now he's actually so desirous of their care that he feels their pain in a real sense. I'm legitimate. I used to be that guy. Now I'm this guy. I'll just boast about the weaknesses. All of this again is, so therefore, listen to me when I say that the eternal son humbled himself and became a human being, a part of the human race, did everything perfectly on behalf of everyone who would ever trust in him so that God's requirements are fulfilled. Then he went to the cross voluntarily to atone for sins and our rebellion. And then, so he died and he was raised from the dead because he was perfect, sinless. The wages of sin is death. He never sinned. And then he ascended into heaven, exalted, enthroned. And that comes to you, not by what you do, not by what you, how you partner with God, and how you get busy and do things, it comes to you freely as a gift because it didn't come to Him freely. It comes to you freely and it comes to you by faith. That's what He's been teaching. It's what He's been laying out. And that's always, 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 always what's attacked and undermined by those who use the word Jesus, use the word gospel. They talk like us. They might look like us. They probably look better than us. Me, anyway, not you. To defend that, he has to defend the legitimacy of his apostleship. An apostle is someone who's sent by someone else and speaks with their authority. He's the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if his apostolic credibility is ruined, tainted, destroyed, then the message he's been proclaiming all along that I just explained to you also is compromised. Well, if we don't think that the true gospel is under assault today, I think we're naively mistaken. I think we need to know the gospel. We need to pray for fidelity, for faithfulness. We could pray for one another. We could pray for other Christians to know the gospel. We could pray for other Christians to stand by God's grace faithfully. We could pray for other Christians in, in our city, in our state, in our country, around the world. Because this was an issue, and it is always the issue. I got a message yesterday from one of our missionaries in another country. And he said that, he, that Christian leaders in his country are starting to label him as a false teacher. And he said, wait for this. He said, the reason they're labeling me as a false teacher is because of my friendship with you. Have a nice day. Just what you tell pastors on Saturday night, right? 
and then we talk some more. But it's because we believe and promote and defend, to use theological terms, the federal headship of Adam and the federal headship of Jesus. The first Adam and the last Adam. Federal, representative, right? That God dealt with the whole human race through the one. And it went badly. And God dealt with everyone who would ever believe, in light of Romans chapter 5, through the last Adam, Jesus, and he did everything necessary to the point of saying, it is finished. And now there's nothing left to be done other than to trust in him. That's called federal headship, federal theology. You might just get labeled a false teacher. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. You got labeled too because we're in it together. But this will just keep happening. And it will keep happening. And it will keep happening sometimes from those we thought were friends. And so let's be motivated. Let's be humbled. Let's be encouraged. But let's be praying. Father, thank you so much for this morning. And thank you for... What you do around the world, we're thankful that the gospel is the same for everyone. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, as the Bible says, will be represented one day in eternity. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful that uh, you're a Savior who's mighty to save. We do pray for men and women and boys and girls here, but also all around the world, that you would be helping them to experience your steadfast love and that it would result in a, in a sort of steadfastness when it comes to resting in Christ and in the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.